It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the Deputy Editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now, we have our Editor-in-Chief, Al Sanasiri. Hey, John. What's going on, Al? Not much. Just uh, getting through the dog days of summer here. Man, let me tell you, I think uh, it's about 20 degrees cooler today than it has been of late. And it, my, my daughter was leaving for camp this morning and complaining it was cold. And I'm just, <laughs> oh, God bless it. Yeah, seriously. I, I agree. It was a nice little breeze last night as well. It feels really weird after the last couple, I guess, two weeks almost of, of uh, extreme heat. Well, if you think it was bad here, just imagine what it was like in St. Louis where uh, the Yankees... <laughs> You know, scuffled through through a rough weekend, and those of us who were there uh, lost about you know thirty to forty pounds in water weight. <laughs> exactly, I'm sure it was even hotter there. It was uh, it was pretty brutal there, but uh, you know at least uh, everything else about St. Louis is great. So anyhow, on this episode, we are going to talk about uh, the All Star Game because even though it was a little while ago, Al, the cover story for our August issue is your terrific piece from L.A., you. where you were joined by six let's say, slightly more prominent members of the Yankees family than, yeah, than some yourself. Some of them are, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so we'll talk about that story, and we are also going to look at my feature on Yankees with 10 years of service time and what that means and why it matters. But, you know, obviously, before we get there, we're, we're kind of still maybe a little bit the opposite of where we were at the beginning of the season, where it just seemed like every night it was a 10-run win and every runner who got into scoring position came through. And obviously, as we said at the time, as we've said since then, it was never going to continue to be that great throughout and obviously right now it's it's a little bit of a struggle but you know it is still a real fun time to be watching just because as we're writing about right now for our September issue you have this influx of new guys here and even if the the first few weeks with some of these new players has been a little rough it just is fun seeing some new blood and seeing I know I can't wait for the next Frankie Montes start I know obviously as Andrew Benintendi looks like he's heating up a little bit you you know what he's able to do so I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm the last guy standing on this hill, but uh, it is it is still pretty interesting watching that. And uh, there's also a little home run chase we're also probably uh, interested in. Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, I don't know, you know, how long your honeymoon was. Uh, mine was a week when I got married, but then the honeymoon we kind of had this year was like three months, where that's kind of how it felt. You know, it just one every day. It seemed like for three months, and um, and that was pretty spectacular. Um, you know. It just goes to show you this team can accomplish everything they want to accomplish, which is winning a World Series. And uh, I mean, it really starts and ends with that. It it doesn't necessarily start and end with putting together the greatest record in the history of baseball or making it look easy or whatever. That was fun. That was awesome. It doesn't look as easy now. It looks real. It looks like it's realistic, you know, like it's realistically supposed to look. But, you know, the truth of the matter was the goal was never to do something that no one else did or do something that looks easier than anyone else. You don't have to be the 1998 Yankees. No, you just have to be the best team in 
2022. You know, I always think about, you know, like the Seattle Mariners team that won 116 regular season games. How did that end? Well, it ended with them not being the best team that year. And that's really all that matters. This team could be the best team this year. They're right there. They're literally more than right there. They're on top. They're 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 still trending towards that, but they're dealing with like I started this, you know, conversation in the dog days of summer. They're dealing with teams catching them and and you know at times beating them but to your point earlier the level of optimism is still tremendous based on acquiring players at the trade deadline a pitcher who's really really good and gives them a boost getting a guy like Andrew Benatendi I think about I know we're this is a good segue into the all-star game um you know Andrew Benatendi wasn't wearing a Yankees uniform in the midsummer classic but hey now he is so you know, that's a big pickup. That's a guy who, in a lot of ways, was everything they needed in their lineup. And he's here. Um, so a lot of optimism. And I can't wait to see the next, you know, next week's play out here. And here's the thing. I, God, I think if you looked at all the episodes of the Yankees Magazine podcast of this year, I think I might have said this in every single one of them. But the reality is, this is as bad as it's been for the Yankees this season, right? Is that fair to say? Sure. Yeah. The Yankees have a 10-game lead in the division. The Yankees have a 10-game lead on the number three playoff spot, which means they have 10 games between having a bye and not having a bye. And look, do you want home field advantage? Do you want to be ahead of Houston when it all is sent Of course you do. Of course you want that. But as far as where the sky looks like when it's falling, like we're not there yet. Number two, what I would say, and obviously, look, everyone's watching the captain right now. Everyone's kind of reliving some of those late 90s teams. And that can be good and that can be bad also because – you know, suddenly you think it looks like, well, you know, look how easy it looked when they won four World Series in five years. Or you could look at the 2000 season and reliving that experience. Yeah. And look, things weren't so great there at the end. And you know what happened in October? They won the World Series. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think that there's a, a lot of room left before uh, we need to start crying into our blankets and calling for our mothers. Far, far from that. And and I think that um, they're a good group. And I, there's a there's a lot of character they, that this group has. I think about... Guys like Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, leaders um, who we've talked about their leadership qualities so many times before. Aaron Judge could go on and on. That a lot of in a lot of ways carries you through. I, I wouldn't even call them tough times. The you know the challenges of a late season when everybody's charging at you, basically. Yeah, for sure. And and, and look, like you said, th- this is this is where we move into the All Star game because even though it was a month ago and it seems forever ago and I still can't get over, and I love this about your piece, the The All-Star game was such a microcosm of this season of Yankees baseball because forgetting about you know how things are going now, and obviously Giancarlo Stanton hasn't been on the field for a little while, and Clay Holmes, look, I, I'm, I don't think I need to sugarcoat this. He's not what he was in the first half right now, and obviously that can come back. Nestor Cortez was unbelievable for the first half of the season, scuffled through a couple starts, and then seems to have recaptured it. There's no reason to think that can't happen with Clay Holmes, but... That All-Star game just featured such a full picture of this Yankees team up to and including the point when at the end, Giancarlo Stanton is holding up the MVP trophy. Al, you did such a good job of capturing what it meant, obviously, because the All-Star game is an event, but it's also nonsense. I mean, it doesn't really exist in the sense of no one cares at the end of the day who won or what happened. Obviously, Giancarlo Stanton likes that trophy he has, but what it's about is capturing this moment in time. And even if the last month hasn't been amazing for the Yankees, that moment in time that was being captured was such a special look at this year and what it has meant. 
Well, thank you. First of all, it was, um, you know, I, I just wrote, you know, on my, my Yankees magazine, uh, yankees.com blog, you know, how, how much fun it was to report on it and how much fun it was to write it. I, I wanted to cover this year's all-star game. I know you've covered probably a bit more, a lot more than I have. And this one was kind of unique and special to me because it was a play, a stadium that believe it or not, I've never been to, I've never been to Dodger stadium. And when you talk about, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of stadiums I have been to, and there's a lot of stadiums I haven't been to um, Dodger stadium. I didn't want to be one that I kept talking about having not been to because it is really part of the fabric of, of baseball history. It's been around for 60 years and it's a special place knowing that the all-star game was there. As you know, I kind of jumped on it early. The stars really aligned for me in a special way. Not only did one get in or two, three, four, five, well, six guys got in, which is an inordinate number of players for an all-star team. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It makes your job a lot harder, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, easier and harder. Yeah. Easier and harder. It's a lot of running around and I didn't get everybody that I needed to actually until the day of the all-star game. So literally at, you talk about being, well, maybe I'll compare the temperature there to St. Louis. We can compete for who was, who was hotter, but running around, you know, the field at Dodger stadium, making sure that I get the time that I needed with the guys I hadn't gotten previous to that day was a challenge. What was really unique though about it was getting an opportunity to interview somebody like Giancarlo Stanton there, not at a media day, but there on the field where he's literally pointing into the seats at, at fathers and sons and fathers and daughters and mothers and daughters, families, basically, who were literally doing what he did with his father, which was sitting in, you know, in Dodger Stadium watching, you know, baseball on that field. And, 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 and then he very generously gave them a baseball, too. <laughs> and then he did. He made sure to give people a baseball that were sitting in the same seats he sat in with his dad all those years ago. It was such a full circle moment. And what was what was really neat about writing it was transitioning from that story, which I wanted to be at the top because it was the most compelling. But then you go down to like Jose Trevino and it's like, dang, th this is almost as compelling as that, you know, because it's a guy who, as you edited into the story, you know, came in as a backup. Let's call it what it is. He came in here as a backup. He's an all-star catcher. He's, the, you know, he's one of two catchers in the American League all-star game or representing the American League in the all-star game. How the heck did that happen? Well, to kind of rehash the narrative it it happened through perseverance and a, and a belief in himself that he could do the things he wanted to do which was above and beyond what anyone thought so you go down the list clay holmes just as an in inspirational of a story obviously um nestor cortez same and so on and so forth what's what's great about the all-star game is MLB just leans into the entertainment factor of it and of course when you're in LA you know you can amp that up a million percent but obviously look Baseball is probably the most simple live sport, in a sense. The game in front of you is what's happening. There's not so many other angles you need to see of things. It's not like football where, you know, if you follow the ball when it's in the air, then you miss what happened. And then you need six different replays from different angles. It doesn't move as fast as hockey where you kind of need to see how the things developed. I, I mean, look, basketball, probably similar in, in, in some sense, but... The All-Star Game is where MLB just amps up the production value. And so obviously, you know, you're there and you're experiencing this great thing. And those of us watching at home got to experience something you didn't, which was yeah. the Nestor Cortez, Jose Trevino show, right. which might have been as compelling a uh, baseball inning as anything I've watched. And of course, like it couldn't have mattered less in the grand scheme of things. But it just it's what I love about the baseball All-Star Game is that the game itself is it's difficult because it's just all strikeouts in the, in the late innings and it's not 
the most compelling thing because the relievers are simply too good and they're all throwing one inning at 105 miles an hour, all that stuff. But I love the juxtaposition between what really matters with the All-Star game, which is, first off, the star that you wear and that you keep forever mm-hmm. and that, you know, these guys are All-Stars forever, as, as we discussed, but also just, like, let's entertain people. And if, because of the way baseball works, the game itself in the late innings can't be that competitively entertaining... I really applaud MLB for making it just fun to watch. And the Nestor and Trevino stuff, as great a job as you do capturing the event from the ground in LA, what I love about that is it's just a nice compliment to something that we saw kind of that you didn't see yeah. in a sense. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I know, you know, um, our colleague Nathan McAborski was literally texting me as that was going on. Like, when you get home, you have to watch this, you know, because – it was so compelling and I did and, and obviously put it, you know, in some sense into the story. Um, but it, it was, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's an exhibition game. Obviously it doesn't count in the standings for literally for anything, but it's also one of them for the sport itself. It's one of the most important games of the year yet. It's the least important game, but it's one of the most important games. And I don't mean that in terms of who wins. I mean, in terms of, how much the fans get out of it and how much Major League Baseball gives to the fans to get out of it. I, you know, I sat in the seats. I wasn't in the press box. I was in the seats from a bird's eye, you know, watching from a bird's eye view. And it was compelling. I mean, it was and it was it was the, the first thing I think I said to you when I got back too was it was the first all-star game that actually felt like a baseball game because it was competitive. There were guys hitting home runs. You know, there was one team getting a lead, then another team coming back and getting a lead. And then even in the end, there was some doubt. You know, it was a a one-run game. Clay Holmes struggled a little bit, then got some outs. You know, they did what they had to do. And the whole time, like seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, all I'm thinking about is, oh my God, for the purposes of this story, for the purposes of the Yankees, and of course, for Giancarlo Stanton playing at home, God, I hope the, the American League relief pitchers hold this thing, because if they do, particularly Clay Holmes, if he can hold this, his teammate's going to be the MVP. And if he can't, his teammate's not going to be the MVP, and that's going to stink for him and for my story. But <laughs> I say that jokingly. But uh, there was, seemed like there was a lot at stake there, and a lot of it had to do with Giancarlo Stanton. Clay Holmes and the other re- you know relief pitchers from the other teams were able to hold you know, hold down the fort. And now speaking of MVPs, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention as wonderful a job as he did writing the story, our photographer, Ari Goldman hacked. I mean, she just did such a great job of capturing all. I mean, first of all, she had a lot of work to do because there were a lot of Yankees all stars. Yeah, uh, yeah. It wasn't like just, you know, getting one guy. Uh, she was constantly corralling six guys, but the photos of this game and obviously look, you can have a fourth grader take pictures in Dodger stadium and it'll look pretty beautiful. Ari is much better than a fourth grader, yeah. but it just looks so sharp and compelling and you know there's just something about that field something about that stadium that makes everything look perfect but man i mean the cover of these six guys together the opener of the story which has you know the six of them in the dugout together it's just uh ari was really everywhere she was uh, everywhere and the photos are exceptional and unlike you said that the, the backdrop is pretty spectacular with the uh palm trees in left field and the 76 sign and you know just that signature backdrop and she was able to capture the the action in the forefront and the action in the background perfectly i mean literally perfectly and going through the photos with her for the story what was really fun was to kind of see how after i wrote the stories when i went through these photos and seeing how 
she captured all the different moments that I spoke about. Well, like you said, it, it's just a great story, and it, it was a great look at the tremendous event. Obviously, it, it was always going to be great. Dodger Stadium's a perfect place for an all-star game, but I think you did such a good job of capturing it. The story is called Golden Dreams. It'll be available to read on yankees.com slash magazine shortly. And obviously, you can pick it up at Yankee Stadium when the team heads home on Monday or at a dancer at the New York area. But another uh, piece that we had kind of it, it has some similarities in a sense because it, it's another way of telling the story of this 2022 season that may not be the most obvious, but it's a piece that I got to write. And it's about these current days of baseball where everything is about the young guys and everything is about cost certainty and years of control and all these important ways of building a team. But if you look around the Yankees clubhouse, one really interesting thing this year has been guys reaching that mark of 10 years of service time. And I was really curious as I would see this stuff on Instagram and as I would see kind of the Players Association writing and tweeting stuff out about it. I wanted to know kind of what it meant to the players. And man, one thing I learned is it means a lot to them and not just to the guys who are already there, but also to the guys around them who are watching it happen and are using it kind of as mileposts for their careers in a sense. Yeah, I, I think it's you did a great job with this story. I think that what's really interesting about it is there's obviously benefits to <laughs> in any you know, job where you're, you're accruing benefits and there's a union and all that stuff to accruing, hitting certain benchmarks or milestones, both financially and, uh, all, you know, everything that affects your life later on. But what I'm curious about is when you look at what the average number of years that a major league baseball player plays, it's not 10. (laughs) That's for sure. When you, when you take everything into account, you know, talk about I'm curious if you can share with us the type of pride that these guys have in reaching that just in terms of longevity. We all know you want to be regarded as a great player. You don't do that in three years. You do it over time. And that's the thing. It's not just about crossing that 10-year threshold. It's about watching guys do it and understanding what it means. Because the thing to remember about baseball, and Matt Carpenter did a great job of pointing this out to me, It's not like, you know, 10 years of service time means that you've been playing for 10 years. For a guy like Carpenter, he played, obviously, high school ball and all that. Then he played five years of college. No one plays five years of college. Then he gets to the minor leagues. And for the first time now, he's playing a 140-some-odd game season, and he's never seen anything like this. And he's saying to himself, man, I need to do this, like, three more times before I even make it to the majors and then to do that for 10 years after that point and suddenly you're looking at a guy like Derek Jeter who's a pro for 20 years and he's like what is this how do these guys do this and so they're chasing that in a sense their entire career it's not something that they pick up on when they get to nine years it's like oh pretty cool you know I'm about to my pension's about to vest or anything like that they know and they watch the guys do it and Garrett Cole who is currently a little bit more than nine and will it will hit 10 next year he was telling me that, you know, just he'll sit there and when a guy comes up to the plate, he knows, oh, this is a 10-year guy or this is a six-year guy. And the respect he said he has for those guys who have done the 10 years, even though he's close himself and obviously he's going to get it because even if he gets injured, if you're on the injured list, you sure. accrue time. He's going to get to 10 years at this point. But, you know, he just knows what it means to chase that and what it means to do it. And it's something that literally... It has nothing to do with if you hit a home run that day or if you got a strikeout that day or if you did anything else. It's literally just, did you show up? Were you good enough to be invited back every day? And in a sense, it's the most pure of statistics in that way. Mm-hmm. It's just literally, do I 
offer enough value in all different ways that someone keeps inviting me back. And, and the someone who keeps inviting you back is a club of a couple hundred people. It's of the best baseball players in the, on the planet. And, you know, like if you look at the Olympics, you know, there's a group of Olympic swimmers, let's say, that are the best swimmers in the world from every, you know, including ones from every country. They don't get invited back more than once or twice. So you're talking about a four-year span or an eight-year span. This is a sport. This isn't a business. This is a sport where your physical ability has to be basically on par with the greatest of the greats in the world. And it's a tiny little collection of them. How many pitchers are there in the world that are in the major leagues? Um, so to do that for a decade, but to your point, it's not really just for a decade. It's for a decade at the end, you know, it, or, or whatever it yeah, is. It's, it's the last decade. It, it, it's a decade after years and years and years of getting to the point of doing that. Earning the that. right to spend the time. Yeah, and, that, and that's amazing. another really interesting point because look, Obviously, I, I think if you are the type of person who's listening to this podcast, you're also probably you all understand that, you know, these guys, they're, they're not doing this as a hobby and they're not doing this, as a, you know, a side gig, whatever, and how much work they put in every single day when they get to the stadium and every single day in November and December and January when we're calling it the offseason, these guys are working every day. But one thing that a couple of guys did mention to me, and I think it's worth pointing out here, you can choose if you want to be sympathetic about this or you can choose not to. That's your choice. But 10 years of MLB service time is 10 years plus, as we've already said, probably looking at really 13, 14 years when you count in the minors, of missing every birthday party, missing every wedding, missing anything that can possibly happen between the months of basically February and October, saying, no, obviously I can't be there, barely being a parent in some cases in the ways that you want to be, missing the kids' first steps, missing the, those milestones because this is what your job is, and it's not a job that's two to three days a week or anything like that. It's every single day. And if you have an off day and you're on the road, you're at work just as much as you would be if you had an off day at home. You don't get a weekend. And this is 10 years of that. These guys are paid very handsomely. And it's a wonderful business. And I mean, they should be. They make a lot of money for everybody and absolutely deserve every penny of it. But they sacrifice a lot. And when you look at a guy who does it for 10, 12, 13, 14 years, that sacrifice, the people who understand that the best are the other players on the team. And that's why you see on social media these celebrations these guys have in the clubhouse, how meaningful they are and why they're emotional because every single one of those players knows it better. There's a lot of stats in baseball that I probably know a little bit better than some guys on the team do. I might understand a little bit more how they do against left-handers in a high-leverage situations when behind in the count and things like that. You know, Maybe sure. I have that number and they don't. Every one of these guys knows service time better than any fan because that's their life. Yeah, you're right. They they do and they should. <laughs> and, but it, I think it's it's especially interesting, you know, there it, it is a fraternity and and obviously, you know, anyone who makes exorbitant sums of money, it's very easy for the general public to criticize. And, you know, the irony is there's really shouldn't shouldn't be much criticism because if any one of us was in a situation where we were among the most elite of what we do, and when I say, again, harking back to what I said before, when I say one of the most elite, I mean literally of a couple hundred in the world, you're going to be able to make that type of money and you deserve that type of money. That's fine, especially when, when organizations uh, are willing to pay it. You're right, there are sacrifices. You're also right that it, it just takes a lot to persevere through 
the things you have to sacrifice, and the things you have to do physically to stay on top and mentally to stay on top. You can't go to your job and just be bad at it for a period of time or that ends. And that's a big part of being mentally focused. Focused, I think, is such a such an important word here for such a long time. Um, I think about other players when they get ready to retire and they talk about why they retire, whether it was Don Mattingly, who played more than 10 years through an amazing, amazing amount of physical, I don't know if hardship's the right word. Certainly but pain. Pain and, and perseverance and, and just the, the mental toll that, that that took, but to play for 14 seasons at a high level and, you know, things like that. Well, you know, that's a, that's an amazing thing in and of itself. And there's there's so many guys who are like that that hit 10 and then go to 12 and go to 13 or whatever it may be. It's a it's a special thing. And and one thing that uh, Marwin Gonzalez pointed out to me and I should point out here, Marwin Gonzalez is one of the five Yankees who crossed the mark this year along with Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rizzo, DJ LeMahieu and Zach Britton. And obviously there's a role to Chapman and Carlos Stanton and Matt Carpenter who had gotten there previously. So those are the Yankees with the 10 years of service time. Marvin Gonzalez made the point to me that for all the things in the game, it's harder now because you think about how analytically focused these front offices are. And when you have things like StatCast and other things like that telling you, hey, your fielding range is marginally worse there than used to be, or your bat speed is a little worse. Or if you're a pitcher, you're not getting the same spin on these balls and everything like that. Front offices see this stuff and they're just like, okay, next. But to be able to, to persevere at this stage, he says it's harder and I really, I hadn't thought about it that way. And it was really interesting to hear him say that just, you know, the more data you get, the more information you and I, we don't have our bosses looking like, oh, your story has a few more cliches in it this year than it previously did. Uh, we're going to get someone new, but these guys, if they lose a step, everyone knows. And, and, you know, and the other part of it is if they lose a step, you know, Brian Cashman is, I've always said since I've been here, the best general manager in the sport and one of the best in sports. And his record, I think, demonstrates that, you know, no one needs me to tell them that. That's just, you know, that's what he is. One thing I think he's done incredibly well is that if he sees an opportunity to upgrade his roster, he might literally genuinely love the person who he's replacing, but he's going to replace them. Like, that's his job and he does it well, but he doesn't do it with you know, an attitude of like trying to be fair to someone who's this isn't summer camp. <laughs> this is a big business. That's what he has to do. And, yeah. it, and it sounds heartless, but it's not heartless. That's why we have, you know, championships. And that's why, you know, he's done as, as great as he's done. It's, it's not heartless at all. It's, it's doing your job to, to the very best ability, but think of how hard it is when you're in year nine or you're, you're in year 10 and you're not as good. Well, you got to elevate yourself to be even better when it's harder to be better because you're 10 years older than you once were. You know how hard you have to work physically to be as good as you were years ago. Any of us know that in anything we do. You know, uh, Josh Donaldson, I think, really said it best to me at the end there. You know, the point he made, and I actually end the story with this, he said, you know, the, the cliche about baseball is, oh, man, you show up at the stadium every day, you never know what you're going to see. And he said, you know what? We've seen a lot of it. And I think that's the point. And you you talk to guys on the roster, again, guys who aren't at the 10-year mark yet, and they know what it means when a guy like Matt Carpenter comes into the clubhouse with his 10 years of service time, and they just know he knows exactly how to play baseball. He knows exactly how to be a baseball player. And that's a huge thing, especially on a team with championship aspirations. Donaldson also said you don't want a team of only old guys, and obviously right. the Yankees don't have that. But again, 
there's so many reasons to adore prospects and to love young players coming on the scene and doing things exciting. And that's wonderful. And, and we should never take away that joy. But there is something to be said for the guys who have done it and have proven that they know how to do it. And I was happy to write about it. The story is called Thank You for Service Time. And it was fun. It was different and it was fun. I'm glad we got to do it. You did a great job with it. It was really interesting. Adds quite a bit to this issue. It's a look at, at something very different and very interesting and, and something that's really a, a part of the, the fabric of the game. For sure. So that's another piece that's in our August issue. That one is online right now. You should go check it out at yankees.com slash magazine. While you're there, read all of our long-form content. And uh, Al, thanks so much for doing this this week. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening as well. Like I said, please, please, please go to yankees.com slash magazine where you can check out all of our long-form content. Of course, we also ask that you subscribe, rate, review this podcast. You can get it wherever you get podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcast. Also, please send us some emails. Podcast at yankees.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Of course, you can subscribe to Yankees Magazine, buy back issues of Yankees Magazine, buy current issues of Yankees Magazine at yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The magazine, of course, is also available at Yankee Stadium stands and throughout the New York area. Lastly, please, please, please follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine and on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. It's a great place to keep up with what we're doing, what we have coming up, and to engage with us on some uh, ideas that we have for the future. So make sure you check us out there. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees.